You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Here's Palak turning, feeds back, ball, wrist shot, stop, Brad scores! We're number one, we beat anybody, we're the devil, the devil! I'm a little disappointed, guys, just, you're supposed to be in spots they weren't in, now you're chasing the game. Yeah, we met with them. I'd like to be honest, and, and so uh, we, we, we we met with Shohei. It's a secret. Good morning, Vancouver 602 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. That was a good eclectic intro, Laddie. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I did mention we are in hour one of the program. Uh, I did mention we are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios. Jason's here to tell you more. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. One, two, three guests today on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It begins at 6.30. Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick podcast and the 32, or sorry, Jeff Merrick show and 32 thoughts podcast. Uh, he'll be joining us to talk about a variety of things. The leftovers from day two of the board of governors meeting, some pretty big news there as it pertains to international competition. We'll talk to him about the Hughes bowl last night in Vancouver as well. We'll go through all throughout the league with Jeff at six thirty seven thirty. Craig Morgan from PHNX sports is going to join us. We've had him on the show countless times to talk about the coyotes and guess what? I know, we've never heard this before, but the Coyotes might have a new arena on the horizon. <laughs> well, we should also talk about the fact that we'll also uh, talk about the Coyotes. they're winning quite a few games, and I want to ask them, how are they doing this? Is it all Connor Ingram, or is there something else going on? Michael Carcone, we can ask yeah, him. Yeah, well, good old Michael Carcone, the one that got away. The former Utica Comet, Michael <laughs> Carcone. Is gonna, so uh, Craig Morgan at 7.30, 8 o'clock, Shai Davidi is going to join us, Blue Jays analyst for Sportsnet. As the Otani clock ticks, we will check in with Shai Davidi. Where are you on this one now, Greg? Are you, well, are you tracking flights? I just want to say that there is a caveat to the Shy hit. Oh. He might have to leave if something breaks during the hit. Now, what could possibly I break don't know. at 8 but o'clock in the morning Pacific Why time? would the lead insider of the Blue Jays be suggesting that? Something, some he, newsworthy, thi- newsworthy thing could break during his hit. Can you imagine if he like misses a huge story because he's doing a hit <laughs> on Halford and Bruff? I would be if, Ot- if Otani signs and he's on our show, he would never speak to us again. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, Shy, I know you probably have to attend to this, but I wanted to ask you about Vlad Guerrero Jr. No, okay. Uh, so working in reverse, eight o'clock, Shy Davidi, seven thirty, Craig Morgan, six thirty, Jeff Merrick. That's the program. That is what's happening, Laddie. Let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Ah, Jesper Bratt. You ruined an otherwise great night, my friend. He scored his second goal 
of the game with 35 seconds left in the third period. That's what the New Jersey Devils needed after blowing a three-goal lead. They defeated the Vancouver Canucks 6-5 at Rogers Arena in the Hughes Bowl on Tuesday night. Yeah, this looked like last season. First part of the game certainly looked a lot like last season with all the defensive breakdowns. Um, let's go over the list of bad plays, bad pinches. There are bad pinches that resulted in multiple odd man rushes. Uh, opponents uh, a few times being left wide open in front of the net, in front of Thatcher Demko, who who didn't play particularly well, but uh, he also wasn't given much. We were. It was almost like the last season debate where you're like, is it him or is it the guys in front of him? Is it both? Is it none? It's definitely not none. Uh, lost puck battles in front of Demko. Uh, for whatever reason, the Devils are not a good matchup for the Canucks who seem to have trouble with teams that play with pace. Yeah, They seem to really panic when teams start buzzing around. They don't like the buzzing. Maybe they don't They don't like bees. They don't too like much buzzing. The, too much buzzing. Uh, but Rick Tockett, the head coach afterwards, wanted... To hear none of that about the Devils, he was very concerned with how his team played. He was, uh, I'm bringing out the word flummoxed again. Flummoxed. He was just like, I, I'm telling these guys like over and over, this is system stuff. Um, and, you know, on, on so credit the Canucks for um, coming back in that game. They made it very exciting. Uh, they gave the people that paid money to go watch that game and everyone who watched it on TV um, they gave them some entertainment value when the Canucks did tie it up. That was a great moment. Quinn Hughes made a great play at the blue line, uh, an incredible play to cut back. Uh, I think it was on Timo Meyer, get mm-hmm. a puck on net, and Nils Hoaglander, who did play well, um, bangs it in and the game's tied. But then it's right back to the start of the game, mm-hmm. right? And if you look at the, uh, the, the winning goal that the Devils scored, go watch it on the replay. I'm sure some of you have already. Ian Cole who I guess was playing the right side, um, just threw it up the wall when there was mostly devils there. Dakota Joshua got pinched off by the four-checker, and it goes right to the point. It was like a weak clearance to a guy. If it was intended to Dakota Joshua, it was a tough position to put him in. Uh, Joshua didn't get it. The devils get it instead. Uh, they throw it around, and eventually uh, they get a shot on net, and it's a bad rebound by Demko out to Jesper Bratt, who was wide open again in front mm-hmm. of the net and just banged it in. If you look at the alternative, it all started with the Ian Cole play. If you look at the alternatives, um, Ian Cole should have recognized that the Devils had numbers, that he was not going to be able to clear it in an effective way, and he had the time to just reverse the play. Or at the very least, just eat the puck, mm-hmm. right? Instead, he throws it up the wall on a weak play. And that's what Rick Taka was talking after. He's like, we had time. I don't know what we're doing on that play. And he said that all five guys on the ice were to blame. Um, you know, they all started running around. As soon as the puck went to the Devils, all the Canucks are like, ah, hair on fire. Like, I don't know where Philip Peronic was going, but he was chasing around. Petey wasn't doing anything. Petey was just standing there. He wasn't doing He's the center on that play. He's got to take someone. Um, it was uh, it was a messy, sloppy, entertaining game that looked like a lot of Bruce There It Is games, and we know that the team doesn't want those games. Yeah, Tockett complained incessantly about guys not being in their right spots, and he wasn't happy, well, with pretty much all of it. Um, he was asked an interesting question because he talked about the Devils being a bad matchup team for the Canucks, and I 100% agree. They look too fast for the Vancouver Canucks. but Buzzy. 
Tockett, yeah, they were very buzzy, but Tockett wasn't exactly willing to give the Devils the credit for the four goals in the opening period. In fact, he was posed a question by Sportsnet 650's very own Thomas Drance asking about the stylistic matchup and whether this is about the Devils and how pacey they were, like they were a championship side from Scunthorpe or something like that. (laughs) And instead was asked about, is this a case of Vancouver giving up the goals? Because remember, it was a bad pinch by Hronik to make it one nothing. It was a bad Myers turnover in the first of a series from Myers on the 2-1 goal. And then Bluger, I think it was a bad face-off. And then bad coverage in the aftermath on the 3-1 goal. So there were mistakes abounding for this team. Like you said, it did look like Bruce there at his hockey. Do we have the audio here, Laddie? Here's Rick talking in one of the many, yes, flummoxed, and I'd say kind of irate remarks he made following a uh, 6-5 loss to the New Jersey Devils on Tuesday night. Uh, this would be talking about all four goals that they gave up to the Devils. We will play that now. Here's Rick Tockett from last night. We're it was on us. I mean, listen, yeah, credit. I'm not taking away they got the four goals, but we gave four goals. You can't have three guys in a corner of the first goal and leave the front of the net. Like, that's, not, that's not our system, and we've been slacking a little bit on that. And, uh, you know, we, it's on us. It's on my, it's on my ass. So i got to get these guys to do it more often. He said swear. Well, kind of a swear. But anyway, I think the larger point here is that in about three and a half minutes of post-game press remarks, Rick Tockett sounded about as angry as he has throughout this year. There would be a variety of reasons for this. The first is that all the defensive breakdowns that we saw last year reared their ugly head. And in very uncomfortable and not great uh, reminders from last year, a lot of the mistakes led directly to goals. They gave up eight shots in the first period. And had four goals against. And Demko wasn't to blame. I mean, he could have done better, but it's not like you're hanging those on the goalie last night. Yeah, the Canucks have a day off today, too. Which, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a certain amount of days that they have to get off. Uh, uh, The NHLPA will, you know, have, have words with the league if they don't get enough days off. So there's a certain amount of days. I don't know how many days it is, but they have a day off today. Um, I'm sure Rick Taka would love to be practicing. Because the Canucks have another home game on Thursday against the resurgent Minnesota Wild, who have not lost. Uh, they beat Calgary last night. They haven't lost under new head coach John Hines. And, you know, th- what Tockett said after the game, there's a lot of system stuff, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm sure he'd love to work with them, but they're going to have the day off uh, today. So uh, no practice. Um, let's talk a little bit about Andre Kuzmenko. Now, the guy might get more than one day off, if you know what I'm saying. Now, by no means was last night on Kuzmenko, but he certainly wasn't part of the solution. And when he got less ice time, the Canucks came back. And that's not a good look for Andre Kuzmenko, who finished minus three on the night. And he just isn't doing the things that Rick Tockett wants him to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nils Hoaglander replaced him on... um, who was it? Was he? Yeah, he was with. Uh, was he with Miller and Besser? Yep. Or was, uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Right. Yeah. He went on that line, and he was causing havoc. Yeah, on he, that line, and he and he did well. Um, I'm a little jumbled, as was Rick Tockett, with all the lines and the pairings. Like Tockett was asked after the game, like, "What did you think of the of the new defensive pairings?" Because they changed him after the first, and he, he was hated like, him in the first. He knew that, but he, he was like, "I don't even know what they were." Yeah. I was focused on the forwards. Adam Foote was doing the defensive pairings. It was a jumble last night. And and I think um, we'll get to Tockett's audio on Kuzmenko in just a bit. But if you think about the last two home games for the Canucks, they were both um, hyped-up games 
against Vegas and New Jersey. Vegas because they're defending Stanley Cup champs. New Jersey because it was going to be the Hughes Bowl. And, you know, New Jersey's a pretty good team that's given the Canucks a lot of trouble yep. over the last few years. Both games, they came out badly. Both yep. games, the Miller line got beaten by the other team's top line. And both games, the Canucks ended up chasing. Yeah. Now, ten, in, the Vegas game, allowed. in the Vegas game, they couldn't chase down the Golden Knights. In the New Jersey game, they could. Um, we all know that New Jersey has not been great defensively this season. Their goaltending hasn't been very good. And again, limited credit to the Canucks. Well, a little bit. Of, I mean, they made the game entertaining. And they came back and they actually tied it. But then it was immediately back to whatever they were doing in the first period which wasn't good. So it's two straight home games now mm-hmm. where the Canucks have had a test, a hyped-up test, and I'd say they've, they and I'd say they failed both those tests fairly badly. Mm-hmm. Like the Vegas game was bad and the start of the New Jersey game at the end of the day it buried them. Um let's play the Kuzmenko audio now. It's a very short clip, but Rick Tockett was asked about Kuzmenko's deployment again because having now put him back in the lineup for a couple nights, Kuzmenko's gone right back into the doghouse. Three shifts in the third period, and as Jason mentioned, didn't play when the Canucks were mounting. What was a pretty thrilling three-goal comeback, led in large part by the guy that was replacing him on his line. So uh, this is Talkit, real short on Kuzmenko. Really starts out about how he doesn't even want to talk about the guy anymore. That's not a good situation. Rick Talkit on Kuzmenko now. Uh, I'm tired of answering questions about him. We came back. You know, It worked out. You know, Kuzi's got a, you know, he's got a fortune. He's got he's got a forecheck. Let's let's start with that. So where does that leave Kuzmenko for Thursday's game against the Wild? Uh, I guess Phil DiGiuseppe was the healthy scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, would you start the game with Hoaglander, with Miller and Besser? I probably would. And then are you going to break up? I don't want to say break up like they're a wagon right now, but Sam Lafferty probably deserves to be with Petey. And Mikheyev's probably not coming off that line. So where does that leave Kuzmenko? He's not a bottom six player. You're also not going to, I thought, uh, you know, uh, Dakota Joshua played well. And he's on a line with Connor Garland and Teddy Bluger. What, you're going to have a fourth line with Andre Kuzmenko on it? I I, I, I bet. The, I bet that DiGiuseppe comes in and Kuzmenko goes out. I would not be surprised if that's the play. And if it is, then we are going to get our first real intriguing moment of the Rick Tockett coaching era. And by intriguing, I mean where like rubber meets the road. Like there was no pressure last year, right? I understand he took over a terrible team and just basically was installing systems and getting him prepped for this season. And then even when he scratched Kuzmenko last year, the stakes were low. Like, you could drop them from a game, but, like, who cared? Because the wins and losses didn't necessarily matter at that point. And the explicitly stated goal of trying to get to the playoffs wasn't there. If this team's going to be a playoff team, they need their fourth highest paid forward to be doing a hell of a lot more than what he's doing right now. I think that's... No yep. one's going to argue with me on yeah. that. Is anyone going to push back that Kuzmenko's carrying his weight? But I really do think that a lot of it's related to Petey. And Petey not being able to drive that line. He doesn't seem to be able to drive well, that if line. If you listen to talk it, it's <laughs> there's a lot more than just like a line mate letting I'm not blaming I'm not yeah. I'm not blaming it hundred percent. I'm blaming it I'm I'm blaming part of it. I just on, think that Petey just doesn't he doesn't look himself. You know how um Talkett says like he wants 
his players, and he's usually talking about the forwards, to like demand the puck. Yes. And JT Miller was doing that last night. And Miller was far from perfect last night. You know, his line was out there as the matchup line. But he was, he was first, driving it in the third but he, period. But he was like, he was like, give me the puck. Mm-hmm. I want the puck. And we're going to go. And we've seen PD do this. Now, whether it's injury, the Canucks have said it's not. Um, now, they might be lying about that. No. To protect the team. We've seen that. We've seen that happen before. But right now, PD is just not his best self. Right? He's not terrible. He picked, right. He's managing to pick up points. Picked up a couple of more points. He's got three points in his last two games. Last night. So it's not like he is a complete zero out there, but it's an eye test thing. You're I just watching my- it, and you're just like, where's the confident Petey that we saw earlier in the season that wanted the puck and, and would dance through the neutral zone and be like, where's that guy? My follow-up question to that would be, if you're seeing this, and I think we all are, why does it not translate to a decrease in ice time or deployment as opposed to Kuzmenko where it is? I mean, we're talking dropped off the face of the earth type demotions. Well, I think Kuzmenko is demotable. I don't know so if there you, you go. I don't know if you can Well, no, you answered I don't the know question. If, I don't know if you can sit PD, right? Exactly. You answered the question. Or this you, is you exa- just, yeah. This is the dynamic. He's also not playing as badly as Kuzmenko. Kuzmenko is is uh, out there at, but, at five on five, and he's not perform. He's not. He's useless in a lot of cases. But you know why sometimes someone becomes the whipping boy because they can be. Some people yeah. can be whipping boys, and some people can't be. That's the reality of the situation. Well, it's the same with Tyler Myers, right? People are like, "Sit, Tyler Myers," and I'm like, "I would love to see that because Tyler Myers." But he was. Listen, he, he does was, do. He was some, trending nationally on oh, Twitter man, last he's, night. He's a gong show, yeah. right? And but like, talking like, can't. But talking can't. What are you going to do? Like, like it's like Mark Friedman comes in. Right? right. Talk it Is Mark Freeman going to play 20 minutes a night? Do you think maybe they will switch up uh, or, or break up the pair of uh, Myers and Zadorov? Because uh, they play yeah, well, similar. They did last night. They well, did I mean, last I mean night. sorry, I mean, I mean, permanently, like not yeah, ever they, put them together again. Well, they might have to, right? Yeah. I, I think after that game, uh, the pairings are. I thought Heronic was bad last night. And I keep saying, like, I want to see this guy play without Hughes before the Canucks end up giving him an eight year, $56 million contract or whatever he's going to get. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know what I mean? Like you can't, I, I, I think there's, I think the problem with the Canucks and as good as their start has been, as encouraging as their start has been, is there's still a few players short, right? There are tops, there are at least one top six forward short, mm-hmm. and there are at least one top four defenseman short. And last night you see the effects, right? You, you imagine if they had one, one more legit top four guy and Tyler Myers wasn't in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Like, that would make a world of difference. They still don't have two pairs that you can trust when Hughes and Hronick are together. Yeah, I mean... I, the, and Mingo's, there's holes in the top six. Yeah. It's the same issues, right? Right. I mean, we're look, here's what you need to know right now, is that if you could... The Canucks have 26 games played, right? You can split their season into two 13-game segments, and you can get the entire synopsis of this year. In the first 13 games of the year, they went 10-2-1. They were off to a blazing start. They picked up, not max points, but pretty close to as many as you can over a 13-game span. Over the last 13-game span, they're 6-7-0. and They're a lot more... Look, they're a lot Which more isn't a collapse. It's not a collapse. No, and people are misconstruing this. I see people texting in, calling them a shrinking violet of a team, and this team is a fraud, and the first 13 games were a mirage. No. That's how an NHL season works sometimes. There have been more NHL teams than the Vancouver Canucks who have used a 15... 13, 15, 17, 20 game streak where they heated up and then played 500 hockey the rest of the year, mm-hmm. right? Now, here's the thing. 
500 hockey, if you get a real heater somewhere in your year, can get you in the playoffs. And 500 hockey in the playoffs can keep you in a series. I mean, if you do the math, you play 500 in a seven-game series, you win three or you win four. The issue is, is that if you get a bad matchup in the playoffs, it can get away from you really quickly, which is why when these teams sometimes get in with the lottery ticket philosophy, right? All you got to do is get in. But sometimes you get in and you get a team that's a terrible matchup for you, and you can't adjust and you can't play 500 hockey against them. For example, if the Canucks were to draw the New Jersey Devils in a seven-game series, <laughs> I think they'd be in big trouble. It'd be a whole lot of buzzing. I just think that it'd be one of those ones that could get away from a team real easy. And you, But again... Well, Vegas would be a bad matchup, too. There's a handful of them, yeah. right? I mean, that's the thing, is that are you a team that can go on a nightly basis and beat anyone? And I think the most glaring things from this last 13-game set is that, and you brought this up earlier in the conversation... When the big dogs came in or the tough teams came in, the Canucks didn't show great, especially in the last two against Vegas and New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Didn't look good. Not at all. Last night was concerning for a variety of reasons. And for Rick Tockett, I think it's that a lot of the bad habits crept in and that you even mentioned on the, the Brat game winner, nobody knew where they were supposed to be on the ice or more distressingly, they knew where they were supposed to be, but they chose not to go there. They're running around. They just were They're doing, panicking. Yeah. And panic is a bad thing. Right, Ian Cole could have settled that all down mm -hmm. by recognizing that he doesn't have the play up the boards. So stop, reverse it. Go, go watch it on the replay. Yep. See how many Canucks are open for a reverse, and then you just go out the other side, and it's out. Yeah, and, and instead you just you give it away. What must really frustrate Tockett is giving it giving the puck away cheaply. Yes. And when he talks about and he dropped the line again, he didn't say playoff teams don't do things like this, but he said. You know, good, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but good teams don't do things like this. He's talking about that 6-5 goal, the one where you battle tooth and nail. You have a three-goal comeback in the third period on home ice. The vibes were high. You saw Miller and uh, Hoaglander, like, just exploding when that 5-5 goal went in because they knew it was a big goal. Yeah, they that was awesome. I was like, man, I wish I, I wish I was at the arena for that goal. And like, that must have been, you know, that must have been electric in there. Playoff teams find a way to get that to overtime. Yeah. And get a point out of that. Yeah. Like that, they don't give it away. Well, they came out. Not even under pressure, you're giving it away. Like the instant reaction should have been, I feel like the Devils might be pissed off here. We just They just surrendered three goals in the third period. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're going to come out with the next couple shifts and really try and put us back under pressure. It seemed like the Canucks didn't even consider that possibility. Because <laughs> as soon as it got to 5-5, five, five, New Jersey flipped the switch again and there was all chances. Um, I was flipping back and forth between the Canucks and the Christine Sinclair send-off. And to the people that attended at BC Place last night, known as Christine Sinclair Place, congratulations. You gave um, one of the greatest athletes in Canadian history the send-off that she deserved. And I'm sorry, 40, I just want to say 48,112 people in attendance. Apparently, 40,000 of them were still outside when the match started because I saw the lineups. <laughs> Classic Christine Sinclair plays. Am I right, laddie? Classic Christine Sinclair. Uh, yeah, boy. I stumbled uh, over that one. Canada end up uh, winning the game 1-0 over Australia, who had a much better side uh, than the one Australia had uh, over in Langford, where mm -hmm. Canada uh, blew the doors off of them over the weekend. But um, it was just, um, you know, while the Canucks were doing their thing at Rogers Arena, um, it was it was heartwarming to see that show of appreciation, and I think it shows a couple of things that Vancouver we really appreciate our sports heroes, 
but also we are a great soccer city. We really are. Mm-hmm. And I think we deserve more international games. We Toronto gets them probably. Toronto gets more of them because it's easier travel. Um, you know, when the, the Canadian men have their international breaks, a lot of them are coming over from Europe, and it's a lot easier to fly to Toronto than it is to Vancouver, or at least that's the argument. So Vancouver doesn't get as many games as we deserve, but mm-hmm. it was a terrific showing by Christine Sinclair. It was a terrific showing by all her current teammates and former teammates. And it was a terrific showing by the fans that show that showed up. You know what, night. Jason? That's a really good point. Is that there was two stories here, and one was about Christine Sinclair, obviously first and foremost. The second one was about the people that turned out to say farewell to Christine Sinclair. Forty-eight thousand one hundred and twelve, the largest crowd ever. I'll repeat, ever for a women's international friendly in Canada. And it wasn't in Toronto. Well, you think of the games that um, set the record for Canadian women. It was at BC Place at the World Cup. So there's proof in the pudding that this is a thriving community. And here's the important thing that will turn out, that will show up, that Mm -hmm. will fill BC Place for these kind of events. More of them need to come, but that was a great one last night. So kudos to everybody involved. Uh, A very, very appropriate Turn up, show out. Yeah, all the, all the things. All the phrases. Turn up, show out, turn out, show up. Either one. All the things. Tyler Myers. But he was, listen, he he was, does he do was some... trending nationally on oh, Twitter last he's, night. He's a gong show. Myers collects, goes right wide left side for Zadora. Tipped in the crease, they score. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Maybe you could blame all five guys on the ice for that. You know, it's the pressure of... I still don't understand where guys were going on that play. We had time time, and and that's that's why you got to, you know, that's details. Details and details. That's why we keep hammering these guys. 7.02 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. We are in Hour 2 of the program. Hour 2 is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premium metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit, Kintech.net. Keep that music in the rotation. That got me going. Fired up for hour two. like the early 2000s spy thriller intro music? Yeah. Sort of, it reminded me of like Born Supremacy or something like that, or got got that vibe going. We have similar stakes on the line here at the Halford and Bruff Show as we talk about the local hockey team. So there's a few, a lot of texts actually into the Dunbar Lumber text line, and we're going to talk about some uh, different players on the Canucks uh, because people are texting and complaining about (laughs) a number of different ones. So Um, so let's start with uh, Elias Pettersson. Leaf texts in, is it the raised expectations from an excellent start that is affecting EP40's play? Um, Sam from Van texts in, saying, I have seen enough Pedersen in his career to be extremely concerned about the contract he's asking for. Curious to see how this regime deals with this, given his tendency to disappear five-on-five for long stretches. Something's up with Pedersen right now. I don't know if it's injuries or confidence or both. Um, He's not playing at a super low level. 
you know, I don't think you look at the analytics and and you you certainly don't look at his point. Like he got two assists last night, right? He's he had okay. So like, so, but hold on a sec. But like the eye test, everyone's uh, either everyone's eyes in Vancouver are broken or, um, you know, whatever. Because like we're, we're everyone seems to be noticing the same thing that Pedersen just doesn't seem to be as dynamic. As involved, he doesn't seem to be like the coach says, demanding the puck in certain situations. He is a lot of the time just kind of out there. Well, I think at this stage of the game, we have to maybe come to the realization that he might be a a light switch guy, a flip the switch guy. That he's not going to, he's just not that guy. He's not going to be the guy that consistently looks and is quote unquote engaged. But the problem with it is, is that in November, which everyone's like, hey, he didn't play great in November. Uh, they didn't match the eye test. It didn't look as dynamic. And I agree 100%. He had 14 points in 15 games in November. And in two games in, three, uh, two games in December, he's got three points. So the production's there. And it's going to be hard to... It's going to be hard to stack a case against him in a negotiation if he finishes. It's going to be a very, very difficult negotiation. Because the numbers if, are if, there. The, yeah, yeah. You know? I, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. The numbers are there. Mm-hmm. He's and still that, among the NHL's leading scorers. If you're going to point to November as like, ooh, Petey looked off, I think Petey and his camp are going to be like, but here's almost a point of game performance. Mm. What does that say about the But player? do you agree Even with me? He does. He looks. I just said I yeah, did. Yeah. But I don't, I mean, at the end of the day, especially last night, folks, if you're looking at culprits, Pedersen's not one of them. If we're doing the immediacy of a 6-5 loss to New Jersey, Pedersen's way down that list, mm-hmm. right? And I want to discuss the Tyler Myers dynamic <laughs> because now we've gone past the point of identifying you know the peaks and valleys of chaos on a nightly basis with him and a lot of people i think justifiably are asking how does Talkit openly call out or single out an individual <clears throat> kuzmenko and not do the same for other individuals who are making egregious mistakes on the ice fair question maybe a bit naive in asking it think we all know why, right? Some rules apply to certain players that don't apply to other players. And some things you can say to certain players or do to certain players that you can't to other players. Taki can't. Any of the things people Why are can't you do it to Tyler Myers? Can't. Why? Doesn't Why not? have the options. Why not? Are you going to play Mark Friedman 20 minutes a night? I mean, it, I think it got to the... You're going to sit Tyler I, Myers for yeah, three I, shifts in the third period? I, we had this conversation last year, though, with Boudreaux when, he's, when they got scratched Myers. Like, why, have yeah. they, why, why haven't they scratched him? Like, why do you think they haven't? They can't do it. He's not. He's not. I think that they guy. can. I no, think they can. I, I disagree with that. Okay. 100% okay. Here, here's another question for you as a follow up. Do you think they're going to do it? Probably not. There you go. I mean, I, it's great if you can think about whatever you want them to do, but the reality is, is they're probably not going to. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. I, he makes a lot of mistakes, bad ones, big egregious ones that I, sometimes end up in the back of the net. But I don't think anyone's going to hold him to account. I don't think you're going to see Tyler Myers demoted or dropped or in the press box anytime soon. I think he's going to be rolled back out there. Variety of reasons why. He's a veteran guy. He's in the last year of a contract. They don't have a great defense. They have to play him. Mm-hmm. They painted themselves. He plays into a lot corner. of minutes. Like I, I, I feel That's part for, of the problem though. I feel yeah. plays yeah. too many yeah. minutes. Yeah, he should be playing yeah. half as many minutes. Well, because they don't have a top four defenseman on the right side. Yeah. Besides Horonic, I got one. Yeah, like you, right. Tyler Myers is a big part of this defense. Physically, biggest part of it. And in terms of his minutes, he plays a lot. Mm-hmm. Talking probably privately is like, this guy's killing us here sometimes. 
But he's not going to say it publicly. He can say it about Kuzmenko because it's Kuzmenko, all due respect to the guy, is easily replaceable. Huglander took his spot last night and looked great. They put Sam Lafferty in there on occasion. He looks great, right? They've got an extra forward sitting there. We already talked about I how also easy wonder, it would be to drop Kuzmenko out of the lineup. I also wonder game. if there are things that Kuzmenko is doing that are easily fixable. If Kuzmenko's kind of saw eye to eye with talking on certain things like shift length is an easy thing to fix right mm-hmm. like one of the things or forechecking right it's an easy thing to fix just do it Sat, just do it uh, but when you're but hold on a sec yeah but when you're talking about a guy that like tyler myers is he doing things that talk is repeatedly saying like you got to do this you got to do this the thing is like like myers is trying yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean but he just makes these loud egregious mistakes and oftentimes when the opponent scores you know people are like what, what were we doing there tyler right yeah i mean i can't imagine talking. i just wonder if it's a little bit different i don't think that's that all. that's the that's the differentiator between the two that kuzmenko's doing things that you know you know you shouldn't do that Kuzi, you and I, like the same thing would apply to myers like don't give the puck to the other team that's one of our staples <laughs> When we say play with structure, <laughs> it means pass the puck to our guys and not their guys. Like Don't there's no give the puck. To yeah, he's writing others. it down. So, like, so this is sense. the this is the text that I'm talking Blind about. Rims X. Yeah, like I get it. Someone texted in. Myers does the non-negotiables that Talkin wants. He just makes mistakes. That's kind of ne- what I mean. He also does some negotiables though, like negotiating the puck to the other team. Right? There are certain plays that it's just It's just not okay. And I know it gets hyper-analyzed, and maybe contextually we take it a bit too far because we just look at the turnover in a vacuum. Look at what led up to it. But come on with some of these. And it's repeated. Mm -hmm. And it's been throughout the course. Losing his man in front of the net, that happens a lot. He was actively hurting his team last night. Yeah. Consistently. Mm -hmm. Like It wasn't like just one isolated incident. Like It was all evening. Uh, someone just well, have fun, have fun with uh, Juleson and Mark Friedman in your line. <laughs> well, exactly. Then, That's right? the like, other thing. It's like, well, hey, do you want to go? Do you want to go to the other side Fried- on this one? Do you Friedman's been solid. I, I understand what you're saying. He's not going to play 20 minutes tonight, but he, he's solid. Been, what? He's been fine. Put him in Tyler Myers' position. Play him 22 minutes a night. It would be the all same the PK, issue. Say, yeah. See, see how it works. It would, I mean, I mean, I'm at the point where like, let's well. see it. <laughs> let's, no, don't. Let's try it. You know. It's it's a tough situation right now. They really miss Carson Soucy, and they're a team. Again, I'm I keep saying this like they need more top four defensemen. They've got how many de- top four defensemen? Does it, does everyone agree with me that they've got only got two legit guys, two legit top four guys? Where you're like, yeah, that that's a top four defenseman. Maybe they've got yeah. they've got they've got a great first pair, and then. Two or three third pairs. Ian, Ian, Ian Cole, Cole can play no, confidently he, in the top four, I think. And not, not on a good team. Not recently. Not on a great well, team. Yeah, not recently. Not night, yeah. But that's the thing. Cole and Susie are but great. But overall, he's been good this year. Cole and Susie are great third pair guys I on think, a good team. Yes. I think Cole, oh, I agree 100%. I think, I think Cole's a good top four. Uh, Cole is a four, right? Yeah. But he needs a three to play with. Yes. The Canucks don't have a three. No. Mm-hmm. Does that but, make sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then, like, and then with Susie, I think the greatest example that I came up with last year. I was very proud of myself for this one. I was like, the Seattle Kraken were a playoff team. They were a 100-point team. They weren't a great team, but they were a good team. They made the playoffs, and they won a playoff round. And Susie was a third-pair guy for them. That's that's the bar. That's what the Canucks want to be is a 100-point team that makes the playoffs and wins a round. And if they're going to do that, then you know Susie can't really be anything more than a third-pair guy. But in Vancouver right now, when he's healthy, yeah, he's a top-four guy. 
Um, a few more texts. Uh, this is unsigned. This front office gets a lot of praise, and rightfully so, but the Mikheyev and Kuzmenko contracts aren't looking so good. Add those to the Garland contract, and you have 12-plus million of bad money. I disagree on the Mikheyev contract. I think Mikheyev's a good player. I think he's a valuable player for, kill more. for the Vancouver Canucks. They might need to adjust what's going on in the penalty kill with, with the personnel. I don't know if JT Miller's the right guy to lead it off every time but yeah, that's kind of that's details I don't really want to discuss right now no, no no that's fine they, but, they were discussing it on the the post yesterday yeah, but lot. I think I think McKay of I think he's a good player I mean I think that was a good signing Kuzmenko right now yeah that is not looking like well idea. allocated cap space and Garland is Garland is Garland right you know um that third line if they had in Dakota Joshua scored last night I, I I'm not the most the most concern I'm I'm at right now is is Kuzmenko because I think at least Garland has a spot on that third line and he does do some good things. His finishing is atrocious and we've talked about that, but I think for the most part he gets the puck going in the right direction, which is what I would say with Mikheyev, right? Mikheyev's finishing isn't great. It's better than Garland's, but he gets the puck going in the right direction and he does some things well out there. Right now, now you're looking at Kuzmenko and it's the old, you know, like office line, like what would you say you do here? Because <laughs> yeah. if it's if you're not scoring goals, uh, and if you're not, you know, setting up goals, then what are you doing? How can how can you be useful to this team? Uh, I have a question for you as it pertains to Kuzmenko. Well, you've been missing a lot of checks lately, Tyler. <laughs> I wouldn't say I've been missing them. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have a question for you, Jason. Okay. Uh, it involves a little role play. You have to be uh, Patrick Alvin. Okay. So we're running the risk. I was, of him. I was like, we're, do yeah. I need a costume for no, this? No, no, <laughs> You just have to say nothing of value. Um, no. Go outside and prep for a second. So if you're Patrick Alvin and you're the guy that gave Andre Kuzmenko $11 million over this year and the next, so a $5.5 million cap it. You got to do the accent, by And the way. you've made him the fourth highest paid player on the team. How are you feeling about things right now? I'm feeling a little bit frustrated. For are sure. you frustrated with your coach or with the player? Uh, probably with the player to yeah. be to be frank. Like I mean, Patrick Alvin. You're not being frank. Uh, you're unless, being Patrick. Unless unless you're being um, disingenuous, because um, Who, me? No, 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 oh, no, no. I was no. confused. Like, where no, are we no, going no. with this? If, well, I'm playing the role. Oh, um, because who's the guy that's been saying we need a coach that holds players to account? We need a coach that installs structure. We need a coach that installs good habits. <laughs> Been Patrick Galvin and Jim Rutherford. Well, that's what Rick Tockett is doing right now, and it just happens to be that one of your crown jewels in your, or one of the one of the feathers in your management cap, is being held accountable yeah. right now for things that he's not doing that the coach doesn't like. I think Patrick Galvin, if, if like if look at how many times during a pre, uh, Patrick Galvin availability, he deflects credit from himself to the coaching staff. It is like. I don't know if it's almost like a PR tactic or it's just like a, a nervous habit that he has, but anything that comes up, he's like talk and footy and gaunch. Like they do, they're, 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 they're doing, they has full trust in them. Mm-hmm. Right. But it is one of these things where you're looking at it and going like, wow, this, this accomplishment for this team where they not only found Kuzmenko, but recruited him and had him. Um, you know, signed to this uh, a great contract last year, and he came in and he was a great success. Mm-hmm. He scored a ton of goals, mm-hmm. and then they re-signed him, and now it is going wrong, and it is going wrong in a way that I didn't predict. Like I thought there might be a few things, like oh, Kuzmenko's probably going to bother Rick Tockett. Right now, we're looking at the possibility 
the possibility at least of a third healthy scratch Thursday against the Minnesota Wild? Because you know where I'm going with this, right? Like we've seen examples in professional sports, hockey specifically, where a coach has made a general manager signing look bad. And the general manager doesn't like that. And that's where divides happen. I don't think this is happening here. But right now, there's been no bigger narrative shift in the organization from positive to negative year over year than Andre Kuzmenko, great story, mm-hmm. to Andre Kuzmenko, problem. Adog has not been himself lately. No, even are you? How are you feeling about Kuzi? Just beside myself. Like, who are you blaming in this situation? Because there's a lot of people, oh, like Kuzmenko. I'm saying, like, well, there's a lot of people that are blaming Taka. Right. They're, no. they're like, he's not using him right. No, Kuzmenko's just not playing this Taka's system. He's got to... He's got to forecheck more. Do you know? Uh, and back check. Do you know one and of the, back check. All the you, checking. He's got to check more. You know how Tockett uh, always has that saying where he's like, "I'm a big this guy." Mm-hmm. He'll say like, "I'm a big reps guy at practice." Right? It's just a, it's just the way he talks. Right? Um, he, big Staples guy. He's yeah. like, "I'm a big Staples guy." Love Staples. Right? Um, he had one of those the other day when he said, um, "I like players that just go through other players." Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what, and he was talking about Zadorov. Right, the acquisition of Zadorov and how Zadorov, you know, he's like, uh, I'm not going to go around you. I'm going to go through you. And runs, that's the type of player that Rick Tockett was. That is 100% the type of player that Kuzmenko is not. And never will be. Yeah, that's what I wonder. That's what I wonder. That's what I wonder. Are you ever going to get like, like instead of, so. so, you know, a player that, isn't the type of player that goes through someone is a type of guy that's going to be reaching a lot, trying to poke the puck away as opposed to just going through a player. The old right? poke and hope. Yeah. And, and a he lot of the times that make if his you miss- game better defensively though, like there's still things he can do to improve. It's not like he doesn't have it in him. He's just not a physical type of player. He could still be smarter defensively. That could still be taught to him. He could still understand that style of the game. It's not like he's going to be just, forever useless the there. He just, I don't know. How, I don't know how much. Yet. I don't know how much it has to. He do He hasn't with, figured it out yet. But but a dog. I don't really know how much of it has to do with actual smarts and positioning on the ice. I think a lot of it is just like, there's the puck. You need to go get it. Can he I just have the drive? But I just need it? to put this out there. Like I've heard Talkit complain about uh, his he doesn't forecheck enough. Mm-hmm. It's been pointed out that he takes uh, his shifts are too long compared to the 35 or 40 seconds that Tockett wants. Last night, Tockett said that he needs to shoot it more. So I'm talking. we're talking about three different facets alone that Tockett doesn't like with Kuzmenko, which leads me to believe that maybe you're not going to be able to fit him into your style of play because he totally doesn't fit. Yeah. You can change players, but the guy came in and scored 39 goals a year ago, kind of doing what he does. And I do think part of this is... Um, his Besser's resurgence has kind of knocked him down in terms of opportunities. He got knocked off PP1. He's being asked to do different things. And I also think that right now you're seeing a guy that is second-guessing almost everything he does on the ice. The lack of shooting is the big one for me, is that he's not playing on instinct and just ripping it. He's trying to make the perfect play yeah. or trying to make that extra pass. He's like, I'm I'm selfless player. Got like, to please the, the coach. Got to please the coach. Yeah, okay. that's right. So at the end of the day, my takeaway from it, it's a bad fit. Plain and simple. And I do wonder if they're going to regret linking those two. Because I think Kuzmenko's a good player, and I think Tockett's a good coach. I think it might be one of those cases where they just don't work together. I wonder if they can get any value out of it, though. What, what would right Kuzmenko's now. value be? It's so, it's so funny how how it changes like in a matter of six months. Like, What do you think Besser's value is right now? Like, let's go back to last season. Right, those two have flipped it's, entirely. Like, it's cra- it's, it is crazy, right? And Kuzmenko, sometimes, you're the Besser now. 
you know, it's it's <laughs> yeah, right? You're like Kuzvenko. Um, let's talk about the goalie. Um, Thatcher Demko, um, a lot of people texting him about Demko, wondering if he got hurt in the Calgary game. I don't know about that. Laddie seemed to think so. You think so, Laddie? What's going on? Like, how much would you? you how were much very you, concerned. Hey, it was in the text here's a question. Right how? Uh, what are the odds that Casey DeSmith is playing on Thursday? I would I would put it at like minus one thousand. Casey DeSmith against <laughs> oh, yeah. the Minnesota. I, game. I, I thought for sure he was going to be out for some length. Of so time explain was, because I, I this completely went over my head. What did you see? And then you because you reacted right away. Well, there was a moment in the game. I forget when it happened. Not last game, but the game before, where he, yeah. he got up very slowly. The camera panned in on him. They had mentioned it on the broadcast that he yeah. looked a little ginger getting up and. It just it looked like he tweaked something, making a move, and I just mm-hmm. sometimes that happens. You know, goalies go through a lot of wear and tear throughout the year. So I thought for sure they would give him some breathing room, give him maybe a couple games to right. rest his legs a little bit. But they threw him right back in there, and he didn't look right. Yeah, didn't, didn't look, look like a great first period. Yeah. Four goals on eight shots, and I know there were some breakdowns. And Quinn Hughes was going through all of them. He's like, "We gave up a great A here. We gave up a great A here." But yeah, he, he was like, uh, first one, two on one. Second one, wide open in front of the net. Third one, again with the wide open in front of the net. Fourth one, I believe there was a guy wide open in front of the net, which reminded me so much of last year with yeah. Boudreaux hockey. Right? It was just every and. What compounded it was, and I hate putting it on the goalies, but like you didn't get a save on any of them. You got you stopped fifty percent of the shots. You you lose the right to kind of complain about your defense when you, you don't even make any of those <laughs> yeah, saves. Like, you got to make one at least a desperation save, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. So on, we all agree that Casey Smith. So okay, so he should. Do you think Kuzmenko will be in the lineup on Thursday? No, you don't. No, I don't. Another healthy scratch. Sure, you may as well at this point go the full nine. You Just should scratch keep- Myers and put in Friedman. Ooh. Just do it for I a wonder game. If no, just, no, that's never gonna, yeah, that's worth just it. Just for a game. Just for a game. There's, I, there is a 0.0% chance of that happening. Come on. I'm no, not, not even putting it at 0.1. Hey, I'm with you. It's got to be a 0.1. No, it's just not going to happen, man. If it hasn't happened already, it's not going to happen now. Okay, but no, but to be fair, Myers, that is like, he hasn't had a game like that this year. That but, was like okay, but last night. Yes, no, 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 no. What are you out of your mind? No, 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 no. He's had some bad, a horrific games. He's had some bad games, but last night's game was so far worse than any other game. He's and that's saying something because he's had probably ten stinkers now. Yeah. Last night's game was like a bar below the other nine awful games. So I'm just saying, but if there you're were a lot scratch of bad. Him, ten now, feet of crap, and then there was last night. Yeah, game. like it's another level. Last <laughs> last night was another level. He has he wasn't trending on Twitter Canada wide. Up until last evening, like last night was the worst game he's had. So if there was a time to scratch him, it yeah. would be now. Even like the the misspelled M E Y E R S was trending oh, on Twitter. You know it's like, bad when even people the misspell that. Yeah, <laughs> you know What's it's bad when there? even the misspelled version of your name is trending. Oscar Meyer was catching strays. <laughs> yeah, Timo Meyer was like, "What did I do? I, I played okay, I think." Uh, I didn't really notice him. So there was the Board of Governors meeting the second day in Seattle yesterday, and I guess we should talk about. The 2026 Olympics. No, 2024 Olympics, right? I'm getting all confused. Uh, the Olympics in Italy, where we're hoping to see 2026 NHL. 2026 Olympics. 2026, right. Yeah. So they got to build a new arena in Milan, and apparently it hasn't even started. They haven't it's- even started to build it. And people were wondering yesterday, because Gary Bettman was talking about how the arena... I guess it's possible that it's not ready in mm-hmm. time for the Olympics because I think it's being privately built. Yeah, it is. Right? So it's one of those things where we've seen this happen with Olympics um, all around the world. I remember when I got to Sochi, I was like, this place isn't finished yet. And it was like a mad dash mm-hmm. to finish it. And I got there like a week before the Olympics were starting. 
and like there's people running around slapping coats of paint on stuff and like the landscaping wasn't finished and it was just like a just incessant hammering and in the background yeah, 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 it work. honestly was right? screwing in light and I think at the end of the day like there were some that you'd still go into the facilities and be like this is okay but like it's you could see that you know this the drywalling isn't finished over here. And do you remember Greece? Yeah, that's the Olympics in a nutshell. It's not. It's but that, I wonder if it's especially in places like like Europe where there are often like so, oh, seriously. Well, sometimes <laughs> the people are just like, hey, we know there's time pressure on you guys, so we're almost going to slow play it because then you know it's going to cost you more to get this finished. And yeah, I know no, 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 I know. Pressure, I know. right? Like, I, like sometimes they use it to to their advantage. It, it was, but but hold on, it, it was the same thing for the World Cup in Qatar. Right, they were literally coming up with accommodate. It's very difficult to host one of these, you know, massive global events. And part and parcel with it is finishing right. You know, if you give us right up until the deadline, we're going to take all that time. It's like the Canucks doing their business, but it's I. So I understand um, the dynamic at play here. Mm-hmm. My take on this was entirely different. It's that Gary Bettman, if you've noticed over time, always has a a, a creeping concern. With Olympic participation, it's is he always looking for an out? It's always something. He's looking for an out, right? Last time it was COVID. He's pretty spot on with that one, um, but he was very accurate in his assessment there. But there's always something because mm-hmm. this time people were looking at the sort of traditional checklists of things that Gary Bettman has a problem with, right? So it's like accommodation for the players and their families. There's always been like the risk in the, you know, do you get the players insured? There's always the content share. There's always something. But he was confident in those. But he was, he right. was, he, he was brought a like, new thing to the table. Right. And this was. But that, isn't that, I mean, that's, is that fair for him to bring it up? If if they're expecting to have this thing built I'm just trying only to get a it few months context, before the Olympics started, and they, you know, they're already behind on this. I think he's absolutely right that if the players go to the Olympics, like they want to be part of the Olympic experience. And if they're forced to move this event to another city, like I've heard people like, well, they could play it in Switzerland. I'm like, yeah, but the Olympics is in Italy. Yeah. Well, right. That, you know, that's, that's a different experience then. I'm not saying that his concerns aren't valid. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that I thought it was interesting that he just brought that up. Well, maybe he's trying to put pressure on the organizing committee, right? Well, I, I I think that's fine, look, right? You like Gary seriously, Bettman like, like like how much how much are those NHL players worth to a Winter Olympics? I think it's a lot. Yeah, you know, maybe not as much as in North America because when you go over to Europe, it's a lot of the 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 Nordic events are more popular than they are in North America. But to have the best hockey players in the world coming to the Olympics is a big thing, right? It gets a lot of attention. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.